who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show. And whether you've spent the last week buying stock in GameStop and probably getting extraordinarily rich very quickly or being very bad in Hitman, which is how I've spent the last week, uh, hopefully you've had a good time since our last episode. And we have quite a bit to talk about, both including the games we've been playing, some of the news around them, and uh, thankfully some questions from all of you at home. Uh, Before we do that, though, I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Who? Me? You, yes, you, Lucy O'Brien, as well. If I knew anything about the stock market, I would be rich by now. <laughs> Even those who know a lot about the stock market aren't rich, though. To be fair, sometimes makes me feel so, better. Yeah, uh, and of course, we're also joined this week by Max Scoville. If I know two things about business and stocks, it, that there's n- never any chance that it would be bad to invest in a brick and mortar retail space or physical media. What could go wrong? I'm going to invest in video game magazines. <laughs> how's game pro doing these days i think i might uh might take stock in them yeah it's uh it's go no, i i read an article from game pro the other day are they still around yeah no they're they're i think they're they're like a european site now and oh. i don't know if it has any relation to the magazine we saw but i had this like weird like you know berenstein bears thing where you're <laughs> like was this was this always here <laughs> did i forget this i, I should know this was yeah. I watching Shazam or Kazam? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a strange time for. Yeah, I like I, I've seen a lot of discussion. Obviously, we, we won't talk too much about uh, business because let's face it, we're all pretty much Vincent adult men and women here. But uh, <laughs> I I it is just such a bizarre story to see right now going on with uh, for those who don't know a. Uh, 
uh, a Reddit group of uh, people who watch the stock market and like to just talk about making uh, decisions. You know, they're not all working together as one hive mind, but they all just talk about what's going on. A bunch of them have bought stock in GameStop to basically it's kind of been trolling Wall Street. Uh, and suddenly all these big Walmart, uh, excuse me, Wall Street investors have had to kind of look at this Reddit thread and understand what the hell's going on. Uh, it's very strange. And if this is how GameStop falls, I would never have called that in a million years. Uh, Honestly, I, I love that they used an app called Robinhood for this. Like when I first yeah. saw that name, I was like, you guys don't get to be that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, a bunch of kids robbed from the rich. This is perfect. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is, as you say, Donna, it's such a weird thing because like, you know, pre-pandemic, GameStop had put all its uh, chips into brick and mortar experiences, right? Like that's how they were going to kind of re- assess their business model is do this whole like you know it's going to be a social space you can go in and play all the old consoles and all the classic games and stuff <laughs> and pandemic it and that still didn't kill them yeah. so uh you know this is a this is something of a delightful surprise that was well, literally weeks before the pandemic hit like they were talking about those revisions a little bit in 2019 but i think they were really going to make that concerted effort like in 2020 it was kind of going to be that first you know few months they were really going to get off the ground and that didn't happen but yeah we're in this weird place where they're they're still around and they're they are now one of the biggest topics on wall street but not for the reasons they probably would hope yeah, we um, we were getting messages in listener mail from like, you know, regional managers being like, hey, we're we're all ready for like we all got briefed on when the couches show up and the snack bowls and whatever. <laughs> all this, you know, all the stuff with your dirty hands in in 2020. Um, and that didn't materialize. But I think that like video games did so well and are continuing to do so well because they're windows to the outside world. And also we're effing depressed and bored and we can't go anywhere. Um, and then I, I think even GameStop was like, we can get in on this. And they just kept it going. Plus the next gen consoles, they did okay. But yeah, this was explained to Max and I in a meeting this morning, and I will paraphrase and completely screw it up. But basically a bunch of investor types bought in, and Max, please help me out here. I want to meeting, dude. I had a doctor's appointment. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I, I'm I can pull up. I will say um, Matt Kim from our news team uh, worked on a great report about this. Of a, Thank he, he you, spoke, Matt. Screw he you, spoke Matt. To, <laughs> he, it's the T's at the end, not the X that you're looking mm -hmm. for here. Um, it's uh, he spoke to a few people on the uh, Reddit subreddit called slash uh, Wall Street Bets, uh, who are essentially day traders who do this as a hobby. These aren't people who are heavily there's a wide range of interest in the stock markets, but essentially um, the GameStop stock price has continued to go up and up and up. And obviously people on Wall Street were very confused. And uh, what it seems to be is there's um, something called short selling. Uh, and I, I'm looking up the the, the full uh, definition here just to make sure I don't mispronounce any of this because I don't have a business degree. Um, but uh, essentially, people investors began to short sell the company, which is a strategy where an investor borrows stock of that particular company, in this case GameStop, and sells it in the hopes that prices for the stock will continue to drop. And if that happens, they can buy back the stock for even cheaper and keep the difference as a profit. But instead of going down, the prices have been going up which is essentially screwing over the short sellers who thought they were being savvy with how they yeah. were, you know, buying and selling GameStop stock. And it's due to these people on the subreddit. There's, they were apparently short selling when uh, bad news started to trickle in a while back about GameStop's next move and their, you know, annual financials and stuff like that. But 
outside of this being being very hilarious and gamified there's also that you know that <laughs> next layer of subtext which is like this is a this is a store predicated on buying and selling used things and ripping people <laughs> off for the most part um we we've said good things about them on the show i'm glad they exist uh but this this is very just wholly funny on on a larger scale like we were reading uh there were tweets from like some kid who was like there was like an investor guy being like, Oh, this, this guy, I listened to this guy in Valorant being like, I stole my brother's <laughs> Robin hood account and made $15,000 in like 10 <laughs> minutes. And like all these, all these business people on wall street are just like, what's happening. And I, I was saying, it reminds me of that scene in die hard with a vengeance where like the, the kid steals from the candy store. <laughs> it's like there's I, no cops <laughs> for me it was like I, my mind immediately goes to trading places and just mm-hmm. uh yeah those guys going nuts when they it, they're duped because the, futures yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it was orange juice right and, and yeah it's just uh they exploit the you know they exploited a flaw in this in this system and it's it's wild i hope that every gamestop employee who has like gone through the whole horrific journey of that like that retail chain struggling to stay afloat because it it can't have been fun it can't have been fun for your average no. gamestop employee to go through that like not you know unsure if they have a job the next no. day Do you remember um, that first remember that month in the pandemic where gamestop was like by the way we're an office supply store right Come check it out <laughs> right um, I hope that a bunch of them are getting rich off of this. I mm-hmm. hope that they're doing some deep dives into into business and uh, and you know getting some poetic justice in there. Yeah, I mean this is this is obviously bigger than this conversation, but I I just read this morning that Target is uh, awarding all their employees five hundred dollars for working through the pandemic. And like, yeah, I think every retail store should do that. I think retail workers are putting in the most important and and honestly difficult work on earth right now. And GameStop should be rewarding those people. Target should be rewarding those people. Amazon, you have money, pay your people. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. just want to throw that out. No, there. it it is a, a a very valid thing to say. It's yeah, it's definitely nice that they are putting some additional money toward their employees, but all of these companies should really be taking stock of doing that because people are putting themselves in such harm's way to help keep the world running. And especially if I obviously we're in California and some things have been uh, the, the shelter in place lockdown has been altered. Uh, We're now still all in a terrible tier uh, and things are mostly still closed, but some things are open. Um, Please still stay home and stay safe. Uh, Please wear a mask wherever you go, please. If you have to go somewhere for things or you, you obviously, you know, there are necessities that we have to go out in the world for, please be considerate to all the people who are working out there right now. It is ex- such extraordinary circumstances. And the put hell this that thing over your through. nose, too. It doesn't work if you just yeah. have your nose poking out there. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, my God. But it seems like that memo hasn't reached anyone over the age of 60. You look like, like the neighbor from Home Improvement. You look like a nosy little pervert. <laughs> and if you, have your, if you have your tongue hanging at the bottom, I understand that's funny. I get it. But don't do that either. Yeah, Gene Simmons. I haven't seen uh, anyone do that, but don't do that. <laughs> I would imagine Gene Simmons would do that. He's that he probably would try to the, sell you on like kiss masks. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, oh. Can we talk about video games? Yeah, let's talk about video games. Uh, I was honestly, I was just trying to spend ten seconds thinking how do I how do I segue from 
uh, masks, you know, who probably wasn't wearing masks, people in the Resident Evil world. Anyway, I uh, just briefly wanted to say, of course, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. This goes up on Wednesday, most likely because this is the last week of the month. The PlayStation Plus games for February will be announced in between when we record and when the show goes live, because just that's how PlayStation works. So we're sorry we missed that. We'll talk about it next week Wait, when all it, those games are available. Isn't it? Isn't Destruction All-Star supposed to come out next month? It is. Mm-hmm. It is supposed to be a PlayStation Plus free game for February. They didn't say whether it would be on that first Tuesday. My guess is it would be because it seems kind of weird to release it like halfway through when there will be other free games that everyone's getting the first Tuesday of the month. So there is potential for Destruction All-Stars to be available as early as next week, which is kind of cool. That's the first um, first party published uh, exclusive of this year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for PS5. Uh, it's developed by a studio named Lucid. Um, in collaboration with xdev europe uh and so that's uh one we've seen some trailers for but it's it is one i still don't know that much about and i'm excited to jump in and i think um i know we've talked about a little bit on the show but i think playstation plus is the best platform this thing could get because as a multiplayer focused console exclusive game the best way to get it in people's hands is to give it to them for free and if they like it they'll want to spend money on the cosmetics or on you know whatever dlc happens down the line i think this is probably the best case scenario for it rather than its originally planned launch uh launch day release where it would have gotten buried with stuff like uh astro's playroom being free and uh uh demon souls and spider-man like i, th- I think this is a definite best case scenario for this game no, this is how you build guys. a user base i remember like we when fall guys came to playstation plus i was like it sure golly it sure is fun i hope people like it i really want to root for these guys and like yeah you know fast forward a year and it's like one of the biggest battle royale games somehow yeah it's i think the most downloaded playstation plus game of all time i think they had said yeah. so yeah it's uh it is definitely a good thing to be able to do that and especially given that this is a sony first party published game i imagine they'll put uh some marketing behind it but yeah it's uh, that can come as soon as next week and sometime in february i'm looking forward to it i i think that'll be a nice fun thing to have as the year gets going and i think it's also good that it's coming out not around too many other big releases uh to give it some room to breathe uh but yeah obviously when we are able to get our hands on that game and are playing it probably along with the rest of you we'll definitely talk about it on the show uh any other random guesses before we move on to some of the stuff we have been playing about what might show up in the playstation plus uh, um, next month horse racing 2016 has been rumored for uh, mm. five years now so i think a lot of people are really expecting that one to show up is that um, the one we got a let's play of yes that's <laughs> 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 probably i think that's the hardest i've ever laughed at work period that was <laughs> that was on your birthday like you came in and oh i was God. like i had it downloaded on the playstation on your desk and it was like it looked this up this is like one of the most like low, <laughs> terrible low budget games and we just <laughs> Like you came in and there's just like bad CGI horses going back and forth. <laughs> so yeah, uh, on PS5 they are making all of the horses' legs look super muscular. It's the it's, they couldn't get the rest of the bodies though, so they're just going to do course. that. Those are and low then, poly. That's right, and there's yeah. also candy candy all over the ground to make the horses go fast. Do you do any guys remember? I don't know if it was on PlayStation. I don't. I, potentially, was a Connect game. Um, where you had to do the motion of the jockey riding the horse, and it just looked yes. filthy. Oh filthy. no! Wasn't it that canceled Fable game, or was that did that actually come out? There was like the Fable Connect. Oh game. right, I think that. And the demo was said someone just being like, "Like you can steer the horse with your little hands." The uh, the other know, game, I I think it, yeah. The other game this month is My Name Is Mayo. Uh, some of you PlayStation uh, trophy hunters out there might remember it's one of the easiest trophies. It's like a dollar and you just keep clicking on a mayonnaise jar 
until uh, trophies pop up. I keep my platinum list pure. I don't buy those games, but Do you really? <laughs> I, I haven't yet. I haven't dived into that as much as I, I think I, it's safe to say I'm the one who cares most about trophies on this panel. I still haven't gone for any of those like play for 20 minutes and you get a platinum trophy games, even though I know they're like 99 cents and out there. I could see them dropping predator hunting grounds. Mm. Oh I mean, yeah. That was, that was, when did that come out? That came out. It was, was March, it? March, March or April, I'm going to yeah. look it up. Might have been May, but I mean, Sony like co-published that. I don't you know, I, I don't know if it if it did super well, but I think they've I think they just added they're adding in April. like random people at DLCs uh, as DLC. But uh, yeah, yeah. They, they they've been keeping up a lot of support with that game all throughout. That would actually be a really good candidate, because, again, that was one that I kind of hoped had been free for PlayStation Plus, because I think, again, it would have been such a great like just have that community immediately there. I think it was budget priced. At, yeah, it cost forty dollars. Um, at its base price, so it definitely wasn't a full $60 game. But yeah, that would actually be a really good call, especially as it's coming up on the year marker. Um, that would be a nice one. I uh, just randomly also, though, uh, just all the horse talk made me think of just wanted to give a shout out to my favorite horse game, uh, Pocket Card Jockey on the 3DS that I've Ooh, never that's seen anywhere great, else. That, great game. Nothing to do with PlayStation, but I just love that game and I'll take any chance to mention it. I think um, somebody's getting real mad right now because we've talked about Kinect games. We're talking about 3DS games. <laughs> Where's the PlayStation passion, Jonathan? As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Uh, it's right here because we're going to talk about everyone's favorite PlayStation game, Biomutant. Yes, Biomutant got a release date. It's coming in May. Anyway, now that I've mentioned that... Resident Evil, yes, Resident Evil also got a release date, and it's coming in May. Uh, obviously, last week's show we recorded before the Resident Evil showcase, uh, so we hadn't seen anything of, uh, about what was there. Obviously, there were a lot of hopes that were crushed. 
from that showcase for this panel because there was no talk of a Resident Evil 4 remake. But uh, Resident Evil Village, aka Resident Evil 8, did get a May 7th release date. It's also been announced that it's coming to last gen. So if you're not able to get a PS5 by May, you can still play this on PS4. Uh, in addition to that, they showed off uh, Resident Evil Reverse, which is an upcoming multiplayer game uh, that will be free if you buy Village, but didn't give too many details on that. There was also a little bit of the uh, Netflix uh, animated film that's coming, not the TV series. That's another project. Uh, but we saw a little bit of that one. Uh, but of course, the showpiece of this was Resident Evil Village. Uh, shout out to uh, Britt uh, Brombacher, who uh, hosted it. Uh, uh, I, I would like to consider a friend of the show, but awesome person. Uh, did a fantastic job hosting that. And uh, yeah, during the, the panel, we saw actual Resident Evil Village gameplay. And then later that day, got our hands sort of on Resident Evil 8 uh, slash Village in the Maiden demo, which is currently exclusive to PS5. Uh, there will be another demo coming to other platforms later uh, before the game's launch. But uh, Maiden is a demo that takes place within the confines of the Resident Evil Village world. It is set in a similar lo- in a location we've seen that'll be in the game. But uh, it is a a story beat, I would say. It's not really much of a story, but it is a quick slice of the game that's not not part of the main campaign. It, it's uh, something you're playing on your own. There's no combat in there. It's mostly to give you a, a feel of the world. And I do want to talk about the the village gameplay that we saw and the details and how we felt all about that. But I do want to talk specifically about the Maiden demo since it's PS5 exclusive. Uh, it's, you know, 15, 20 minutes. If you have a PS5, I highly recommend you, you jump in if you haven't yet. Uh, you don't need to have pre-ordered Village to play it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to sort of open it up and uh, Brian, I'll start with you. Um, I, I loved this demo, but I want to hear from all of you first. What, what was your big takeaways, especially as a, a bigger RE fan than myself? What, what did, were your takeaways from the demo? Um, so first of all, I it's the, be- the best Resident Evil demo of all time is Resident Evil 4. That's fine. We'll never surpass that. That's OK. <laughs> I mean, it's not everything can have an entire chunk of a village and a chainsaw guy that kills you. That's all right. <laughs> but um, this in terms of a follow up to seven, which I really liked, but um, I'm hesitant to replay because it, it sort of collapses by the end. Um, immediately grabbed me much more. The, uh, the, the, the setting here is fantastic. It's super creepy. Everything is gorgeous. Uh, there's something always isolating about those self-contained environments in Resident Evil games, but putting this one in the middle of like a snowstorm in the middle of nowhere makes it even more isolated. I really love that about it. Um, yeah, it's just sort of a tone piece. Um, but I, I like, I can't wait to see what they do with this game. Like, I I think it did such a great job of showing off the basic mechanics of, you know, stuff we've been doing in Resident Evil games for years, which is picking up obtuse items and and shoving them in the eye socket of (laughs) something on a wall or a door. Uh, But this is this so far is one of the prettiest things I've ever played. Um, And I I feel like I'm going to adore this game and I'm going to take my sweet time with it. I probably probably took me like 45 minutes to get through this demo because I was just kind of like, tiptoeing and looking at every corner and picking up every object and reading every note um so yeah i cannot wait completely sold on this game yeah uh lucy i wanted to jump in with you as well what um obviously uh, all three of you are, are pretty big resident evil fans i think at this point it's safe to say uh how, how did the demo sit for you yeah i i absolutely loved it um i do think it was like the, it was so immediately arresting in terms of its visuals. It was just so stunning to look at. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, I think one of the most interesting things about, about this particular uh, demo is that it's, it's, it's genuinely really frightening. I played it with headphones. Um, 
it is it the the sound design is terrifying. I was panicked at times. And I love that. I think what Resident Evil 7 did so well is really uh sort of drag the Resident Evil series in step with more modern horror, with more modern horror games, right? Like it was kind of it by six it had just completely jumped the shark. It was just very much an action oriented series. Seven very much refocused it towards horror. And I feel like Village is doing just that, which is really exciting. So the guy who is directing Village, um, and I apologize if I pronounce his name wrong, uh, Mora Masasato, he was the scenario designer uh, from Resident Evil 7. And like I, I, that excites me because I thought that some of the most interesting parts of Resident Evil 7 were until, as Altano mentioned, the latter quarter where it just kind of crumbled and became a weird copy of other resident evil scenarios um you know it was really exciting and was at and again very modern like you know trying to escape from jack in that house was absolutely terrifying like just being relentlessly pursued is very terrifying and you're seeing that in other video games like outlast you know like uh amnesia those like alien isolation those games where it's just all about escaping um and and the inability to fight and of course that is what sort of resident evil was all about to begin with so you know village the, the the maiden it just it all looks so good and exactly what i want to see risen evil return to and evolve into if that makes sense totally and um max i know you you played most recently of us right before the show a little bit um so how, how was the demo for you uh, i i downloaded day <laughs> one and proceeded to completely procrastinate and put it off partially because i was hooked on hitman but also because i'm a huge baby and i'm scared <laughs> of goblins and witches and i didn't know how many of them there would be in those funny tunnels but um no i jumped in and i mean my whole thing is i still haven't i still haven't you know bit the bullet and, and gotten to seven because i i i don't like first person horror that much um and it's also a very it's a very gross house uh this time around i'm really into the castle like i think there's something wonderful like very it, you know gothic horror fairy tale setting uh the large woman with the sombrero is also great i think she's she's got some kind of roll doll which is bfg energy to her mm. uh but it's it's just i, I don't know I, I've, I've talked about this before i think but um when i'm you know when i'm playing a game it's very much like visiting a place and this is a castle that i would love to go to like this is a place i'd love to go check out uh the same can't necessarily be said for like uh a condemned house in a bayou uh, <laughs> but in this case it's like i would love to go check out this wonderful like you know spooky ca castle these witches don't want me there though and they're gonna be real horrible about it but uh no it's 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 phenomenal it's, it's gorgeous um as far as i think like a, a straight straightforward demo goes it wasn't exactly fun but they also didn't call it a demo i think at the end it was like thanks for playing our gameplay showcase or visual showcase or something yeah yeah they they very much wanted to emphasize i think uh especially that this is not like a chunk of the game uh mm -hmm. that it is it's its own separate thing and yeah there's no combat which the uh the showcase did mention there will be uh more blocking and countering in the first person combat which we only saw a little bit of in the full game but obviously there wasn't a chance to play around with that here but uh yeah just to touch on a couple of the things you you all had mentioned i it, max i think especially them saying like it's a visual showcase and i know everyone sort of mentioned it but this is beautiful like it, it's gross and disgusting and there are horrible elements in this world but it is such a pretty demo it, it does feel like a oh yeah this is running on ps5 this is a next-gen first-person horror game like it is gorgeous and it, it, even though there are all these disgusting like who knows whatever the food is on the table and uh, you know these uh the bugs running around the plague witch sisters it's like 
just an incredible world to stand around in. And I, I had said, you know, it takes 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Brian, you said you had spent 40 minutes in it. Yeah, I, I easily I replayed it and spent a lot of time just kind of looking at everything in the world because it was a, a demo I knew didn't have combat. So I could kind of take my time. And it was like, I'm just looking at rocks on the wall but this is a very pretty wall and i kind of want to just look at all of this i looked at i looked at like the toilet maggots i'm like what's going on like (laughs) it's so gross in there there's like a horseshoe in there i think it It was like it was either that or like a gray poop i don't know what Mm -hmm. it was okay right in i want to hear people uh contribute to this most disgusting (laughs) video game toilet of all time i just like we don't have to answer now let's think about it i follow an instagram account that's like video game toilets which is kind of great. It's the, hmm. they're always just posting new pictures. And in some cases it's, it's really, they're using the term toilet generously. Cause it'll be like Assassin's Creed Valhalla toilet. And it's just like a rock with a board on it or something. Okay. <laughs> it's all they have um, to count as, you know, plumbing at that time. My vote is the one in perfect dark, which has like a just whole regular wedge of Swiss cheese in it. <laughs> And it's like, mm. they're not collectibles. You just have to find them and see them. But it's just a whole wedge of cheese in a perfectly clean, normal toilet. No, um, I think that this game is, uh, I feel like Resident Evil 7 took inspirations from a lot of, um, as you guys said, sort of modern, more, uh, uh, you know, straightforward first person horror games that we've gotten over the last mm. decade or so. Um, whereas I feel this game is taking inspiration from Resident Evil like mm-hmm. the original Resident Evil. Like this feels like RE1, this feels like RE4 rolled into all of the lessons they learned bringing this genre into first person last time. Um this is this this feels so quintessentially Resident Evil to the point that if like you showed me this right after the first game came out and you were like, you know, 20 30 years from now, it's going to be a first person game. I'd be like, "Oh, you guys nailed you nailed everything." It also like it reminds me of it reminds me of Remake in terms right. of the uh the the setting like walking around these tables and seeing seeing a resident evil game that looks this good and isn't you know pre-rendered is just surreal to me i'm yeah. so excited for this one of the things i want to note as well is that the characters uh themselves um so not just the characters we saw in in the demo but also the characters we saw in the gameplay showcase like the duke um who's like a very kind of fat merchant character um like really odd um i think that this is one of the first resident evil games where i've sort of been like okay this is capcom knowing that that is what we want from a resident evil game i think uh, you know so many of the previous sort of weird characters have just been part of resident evil's weird kind of very quintessentially japanese dna Mm -hmm. and this feels almost slightly self-knowing um and I, I don't know if that's unfair to the game because obviously i haven't i haven't played it yet but it, it feels weird like they know that that's what people want and i well, you know that's this i have no issue with that i love that no um, no it's, it's brilliant because i feel like they're servicing for, for years they had that sort of like goldilocks porridge thing right where right. there it was like oh this is too hot this is too cold and i feel like they were trying to service so many audiences at the same time and i've said this for for years now it's like that is a genre or that that's a video game series that split between horror purists and then like action survive, you know, people like that who just want like, you know, it's, it it got borderline call of duty at times. And now they're just like, Oh, we have a full fledged multiplayer mode. It's included. So if you want to, if you want to shoot people and you love all the the classic characters there, 
but this is this is our survival horror game. You'll get a gun in it and you can upgrade that gun when you talk to the, you know, big soup drunk who lives in the truck <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but until then, like, yeah, play your this is your action Call of Duty version of Resident Evil. Totally fine. Have fun. This is your, you know, traditional survival horror. And I love that. Well, and I love it, that it's it's okay. not afraid to to really lean into the the fantastical. Like it's yeah. there's a lot of stuff in there that I think if it weren't done with such like just pristine art direction and incredible visual fidelity, uh, would be kind of cornball. But there's something mm-hmm. really almost dreamlike about how, yeah, you've got like a regular handgun. You seem like you're, you know, Ethan's a, a pretty normal dude, but he's in a situation where there's an eight foot tall woman who's, you know, dressed like it's a hundred years ago, or there's mm-hmm. this, you know, enormously you know, overweight man in a carriage, like a carnival carriage who's selling you guns. Like that's, it's got that like absurdity to it that Resident Evil has. And, you know, like loose to what what you're saying, like that this is, yeah, this does feel like they're trying to address what people want. Like it feels like equal parts, you know, drawing from four, but as well as, as well as one. Um, And it's also, it's nice to kind of see it. um, I mean, how many, like how many laboratories have we seen in video games, you know? Right. We often see castles and like weird, you know, fantasy witches and stuff, but usually that's in fantasy settings. Like usually that's in a, you know, medieval RPG or something. In this case, it's kind of nice to be like, yeah, no, this is like, let's, let's do these like fairy, like let's do big bad wolf. Let's do the wicked Mm -hmm. witch, but let's do it in an incredibly grounded way in a, in an environment that makes sense. Uh, And, you know, of course it's an environment that completely lends itself to like weird moving bookcases and secret tunnels and having to shove an eyeball into a painting because, Mm -hmm. You know, it's it, it, that same logic that made it so wonderful when it's like, OK, well, the first one's a mansion makes sense. Perfect. Great. Whatever. And then the second one is like, oh, it's a police station that used to be an art museum. And you're like, oh, that's, <laughs> that sort of adds up, I guess. And it's I don't know. It, it's a it's a fantasy castle. It can be whatever it wants. I'm I'm super into it. And it, Resident Evil 4 did the castle setting so well. That's like one of my favorite parts of that entire game and like i I think in terms of doing that sort of diehardian approach of having it set in one environment um mansions are awesome and and by the way we don't know if this if this game will sprawl through you know across multiple territories um kind of like the last one did uh but the like a mansion is sort of like you walk up to it and you're like all right i can sort of see the back of this thing i have like a sort of decent idea of how big this is a castle is just like it just goes on and on and on. And what right. I love about this is it, like you said, Max, they are leaning into the fantastical more. I mean, in the demo, there is there's a, a woman who sort of just materializes out of out of bats, and that used to be unheard of in a in a game that used to have the word or did or does have the word bio in the title. Everything was always based on sort of mutating some existing you know life form that is that we kind of understand. They didn't really mess with like ghosts and goblins and spells and sorceries too much you know like the like infamous sort of like canceled demo uh or the prototype version of resident evil 4 which had that guy Hookman, who would just materialize out of thin air and it was very much like you know leon's walking down the hall and he sees a ghost that dis- disappears and we didn't know how to react to that at the time because we were like it's supposed to be an alligator that gets infected and then he tries to kill you or like a plant that gets big um and so I, I, I'm really happy that they're getting into all this kind of crazy, you know, very much more traditional horror stuff, really. Um, they, they spent years doing this sort of Night of the Living Dead thing. And so, yeah, let's 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 do some like creepy ghost stuff. Like, but I, but I, I mean, they did do Night of the Living Dead, but then they also mm-hmm. did uh, Texas Chainsaw, like, you yeah. know, Southern Kissed American Horror. 
Um, mm. And I feel like that that was always, that was kind of the, you know, the influence was there in four with the chainsaw guy. And then, you know, in seven, we got the full kind of running around the decrepit swamp house. Um, and now we're going into this kind of gothic space. I just like, again, it's just really exciting to see the series evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm so stoked that it got back on track as someone who grew up with the Resident Evil games and loved it and then got so tired. <laughs> uh, it's so it's so great to see it try something new while, as you said, Altano, you know, giving us that nostalgia head of of four specifically, like people are going wild over the fact that, you you know, the Tetris inventory is back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like there's a lot to love about what they're promising. I, I did want to ask about that because I, as someone who I think is definitely a newcomer to the series, like with I, seven was the first time I really played the majority of a Resident Evil game. Like that was the, the most I had ever played at that point. Uh, and then seven, two, three, and now village. Like it is a really, really great like jumping on point too to be getting into the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess obviously I know there is a ton of love for RE4 on here, but with all the rumors of there potentially being an RE4 remake, you know, down the line, it seems like a natural extension of what they've been doing with two and three, uh, especially for the RE4 uh, fans on this panel. I'm curious as someone who's never played it. Should I go play it before Village? Because it does feel like there is a lot of like spiritual successor stuff going on here. Yes. For yes. sure. Yeah. It's still right now. Yeah. <clears throat> I played yeah. it last week. Like I just finished <laughs> right. it. It's, it's, like, it's really fun. Like it's a yeah. really fun time. Uh, it's also completely ludicrous. Like it's very, it's very silly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it I feel is like fully campy, self aware cornball yeah. nonsense. I mean, throw it's, it on with also- your girlfriend and just and pass the controller back and forth because it's. Yeah. <laughs> It's also one of those games that is so interesting, like minute to minute. There's like, you know, you can sort of pick any point in that game and something weird and different is happening that wasn't happening at the beginning or at the end. <laughs> like, it's just like every part of it is just so different and completely ingrained in my memory. I haven't mm-hmm. played it for a few years, but like, yeah. you know, it's, it, it still holds up. The last time I played it was a few years ago and it's still fantastic. It was yeah, my favorite game of all time before Bloodborne came along. Oh no, totally. I'm I'm in the exact same boat. Like it's it's it is it is my video game comfort food. Like I love Bloodborne, but it like to to restart a new Bloodborne playthrough is like a whole like okay, here we go. Like what am I going to be? What am I going to do? And it's like yeah. sometimes like 75 hours later. Resident Evil 4 is like it's like a weekend for me. And I'm like, yeah. "All right, I did it again." Um but no, I I'm just like like just positively ecstatic and giddy that they we are getting a triple A horror game like of this magnitude like the fact that this money and these textures and this work and this voice acting and all this all of this this quality is going into like my favorite genre on earth that is usually just like you know derelict b-team stuff that you know like a a couple of like people cobble together in unity they make a horror game it goes viral and stuff which i love all that but the fact that this is getting like like the the triple a treatment that like a call of duty game would get but it's about werewolves and witches. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, like, the only, yeah. like Capcom currently, I mean, I'm probably missing something like really massive and the comments are going to go for me, but like Capcom, I think are the only ones doing this, like this horror AAA stuff at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, Tango, Bluebird, right? like they were doing double uh, well, A stuff. There's Bluebird, they're, they're doing double A and then you've got a bunch of indie stuff, um, which is still fantastic. Not, not just super parody. massive, I guess would be double A also. To right. Extent, probably. Yeah. But like, but even Tango has, is moving away with uh, their next 
game, the Ghostwire, uh, yes, you know, yes. that's that, that's not horror anymore. Like that's Shinji Mikami. He's moving away from that AAA space, um, horror space. So uh, yeah, I'm with you, Altano. It's just so exciting to see this because we so rarely get to see it. It's it's also, it's visually distinct. Like it's not afraid to get kind of weird. And it's it's got these sort of, I mean, again, we keep harping on it, but these sort of archetypal, almost like, you know, f- these, these folklore elements mm-hmm. to it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you got a you got a shotgun, and uh, you know maybe you got a rocket launcher later on. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's just so it's it it doesn't seem like it's uh, ashamed to be like a little bit maybe not silly, but it's doing it's it's doing its own thing, and it's you know they're throwing a bunch of money at it. And I mean, all due respect to like The Last of Us too, but that almost seems like see horror can be like serious, and it's like yeah, but what if it's also like kind of what if you can have something that's like takes itself a little bit seriously and commits to being scary, but also you know, isn't afraid to have fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, speaking to that and Lucy saying, you know, obviously not having played the full game, but seeing is seeing some sense of self-awareness. I mean, it, it cannot be understated. The biggest beat so far for this game, I think is how horny everyone is for the tall vampire. Lady. <laughs> like that is, that has become central to the way this game is thought about now, uh, just because that's, that's part of the conversation. And it's funny, but I'm also still scared to hell when I play the demo. Like it's the, there are these two sides and it feels like Capcom is both playing into them, but also preserving the experience and still making it uh, be able to scare the hell out of you, but also be funny and weird and unexpected. Uh, I I'm really looking forward to this. I, I get the sense just based on how much gunplay they've shown off and the fact that they demonstrated that there's going to be sort of shoving that this is going to be a little bit more action oriented than seven was like seven very much had that sort of found footage, like, you know, taking some cues from outlast and all that. And again, I haven't, I know you do get more guns and stuff and there are boss fights and all that, but like the fact in the trailers, they've shown like giant dudes with hammers and stuff and like, you know, jumping around on rooftops, it feels a little bit, I don't Definitely. know, a little more, more light on its feet than, than we've come to expect, which is, I, I agree. I, I also do think shoving in itself is like a really terrifying video mechanic to, to implement. Um, like just not having a weapon and your only sort of thing that you can do is, is shove. And that is part that is inherently baked into the gameplay. That's scary. <laughs> Like yeah. that in itself is is frightening. Like, you know, they're saying you can guard and shove. And when they show that, you know, this guy is like, Ethan is still getting all bloodied when he's got his hands up. Like that is, that is again, survival horror. That, it's so good. That is a terrifying scenario. You're walking down the creepy wet hallway with rats on the floor <laughs> right? and a werewolf comes at you and you shove him. You shove him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go, I mean, I hope, I hope you can get just like stupidly overpowered and it just feels like, you know, just rolling into Castle Kanehurst with like an AR-15 and just start shooting all the and stuff. Like, I don't think about the werewolf. What the hell? Oh, yeah, Castle Kanehurst had such a good. I that's Max. You're totally right. I hadn't even put that together. I think that's another reason I love this setting so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, I to, to talk about it like I, the first person angle is like it's it's scarier, but at the same time, the second they do that that wonderful switch that Resident Evil frequently does, where you become powerful enough to kind of hold your own. It also becomes, uh, you know, it's it's, I think, better suited for for shooting, for aiming. I mean, obviously, the newer the newer games have kind of made that less of an issue. But, you know, going back to that original thing, I think so much of what made the original Resident Evil game scary was that there is this kind of fumbly tank controls, which made it so that, you know, there's that that classic thing when you watch a horror movie, you're like, oh, no, don't go up the stairs. And then when you play the original (laughs) Resident Evil, you do that same thing because you're pointing the stick in the wrong direction or whatever. 
Yeah, it's um, th- there feels like a really great. I, I think Lucy, you said this as well, like a, a marrying of the the old and new Resident Evils and just continuing to evolve it. And it, it's going to be a really exciting one to see. As I mentioned, uh, there will be another demo ahead of the the May launch. Uh, and if you happen to get a PS5 in the meantime, if you don't have one yet, definitely, definitely download uh, the Maiden demo. Again, it's it's it can be as completed in as quick as 15 20 minutes you could probably spend an hour in there just uh searching around it's a really really great experience and i can't wait for us to be able to talk about about village more in the meantime and you know what they can get rid of is they can make it so your footsteps stop making all that noise because that's the thing that scares me the most is when you just like shuffle around and you step on like an old tin can and you're like who's there and it's just you (laughs) it's just just you yeah that's fair Uh, an audio option to just turn feet off would be nice you you actually um you get uh you get slippers in new game plus and they're fun (laughs) give me some rollerblades i want to break a leg going through that (laughs) stupid cast uh the 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 crushing difficulty is just tap shoes that you get (laughs) uh, as you're walking through uh anyway of course uh talking about being stealthy in a game i do want to talk a little bit about some other stuff we've been playing and i know we we talked about it a bit on the show but now that we've uh some of us have had more time including myself um Wanted to talk a little bit more about Hitman 3, of course, this week, uh, in addition to some other stuff we're playing. Uh, and so just briefly off the top, if you you haven't uh, been able to get Hitman 3 yet, uh, we did talk about it last week. The The review is up on IGN.com. Uh, Mitchell from our team uh, wonderfully joined us last week to talk about his experience. I think he had played about 50 hours by the time he joined us to talk. So obviously coming from a place of really loving that game, I've only maybe played about six or seven hours. Most of that me fumbling around uh, because I'm terrible at this game. And this is really the first Hitman game I've spent any amount of time with. Uh, but just will briefly say I've been loving it. I, th- I think what's clicked for me that hasn't clicked before is that I finally come to understand that it is okay not to try to do everything perfectly in one go. You can't do that, really, especially when you're starting out. And so the point of it is to have fun and to experiment and to just be immersed in these locations for a little bit. And I think IO, at least from what I've seen, I've only played a handful of levels, does a really phenomenal job of both giving you guide points to to get you familiar with a certain location and understand your options within that uh, setting, but also letting you just, you know, pick up whatever random items you find and giving something a go. And if it doesn't work, well, you've got auto saves. You're hopefully saving a bit so you can reload a checkpoint. Uh, it's really forgiving in, in sort of letting you test things out. And if it doesn't work, trying again. Um, I, I really loved it. I can't speak enough in particular about the the Dartmoor level, which I know people have talked about a lot. Uh, it has a essentially a murder mystery, you know, within it. And it on its own, it's, it's going to be hard beat for me as like one of the best levels that I've played probably this year. It's it's so phenomenal. I think so well uh, structured. But Max, Brian, I know both of you have been playing. Max, we'll start with you. How, how have you been enjoying Hitman 3? Uh, I feel so bad that I didn't play this series sooner. Um, yeah. I implore anybody out there, especially if you've got a PlayStation 5, uh, grab three, take it for a spin. I jumped immediately back into one and it completely clicked. I, I mean, I obviously fell in love with with three. I'm still playing it. I was playing it this morning. It's it's so good. Um it's just such a wonderful like toolbox. Like they really kind of uh, they took like and if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. And as opposed to doing this, uh, I feel like as opposed to like sort of stretching themselves thin, they really just like honed in on what was working and what wasn't. And they managed to kind of just double down on it. the Dartmoor level is is br- brilliant and phenomenal. And there are other levels that are just as brilliant in completely different ways. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't even know what to say about it. Like it's it, it is absolutely sort of uh, scratching the itch that metal gear solid used to you know filling the filling the void i guess it's more than an itch it's actually a really aching heartbreak but uh it's the same thing i always loved about about metal gear solid 2 where 
especially the tanker area where it's this almost it's almost incredibly mundane and then you're given like a handful of sort of household items or you know you know you also a silenced pistol or whatever and then you can do this you can do you can do cool guy spy stuff or you can kind of play pranks and hitman is like i feel like just as much about playing pranks and doing very silly stuff and it's often uh you know like you said jonathan like it's i, I think what really overwhelming going in is the first the first two levels of hitman one are these kind of i mean they're it, it's a mixture of being a fairly linear tutorial and also being almost overwhelming with how much stuff you don't do and the second you kind of loosen up and you're just like okay i'm i'm not i'm not going to speed run this first try i'm not going to 100 this on one go like you kind of have to go in and really just open it up uh, a video just went up the other day where some guy managed to beat the dubai level in eight seconds eight mm -hmm. seconds like he shot the wall and then everyone panicked and including the two targets and he shot them both in the head and turned around and walked out the door. And it <laughs> he did all that in the less time that it took me to describe it. Like it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and like, that's the kind of stuff you can do in this game. And it's, I, I just really adore it, especially when they get just like, like, I mean, you can put banana, banana peels on the staircase and make people fall down the stairs. Like you can make people have, well, it would be a divorce, but it winds up being like a murder. Like you can do so much like weird stuff just it, i guess with the world around you i mean I, I i i even so i feel like i'm selling it short it's just such a mechanically sound game and it looks absolutely phenomenal on playstation 5 and it's uh i think the only the only complaint i have is that hitman 2 add-on is a full 60 bucks and i'm just like oh, <laughs> do i jump on that right now or do i wait for a sale but i'm it's there's plenty of stuff i still haven't even began begun to do yeah, I was having this conversation with uh, Zach Ryan before the show, basically of how because he he also is starting really for the first time, too. And uh, the original Hitman of this trilogy was released episodically and then two and three haven't been. And I both understand the reasoning for and for not, because you can you could spend two months just playing through a level and doing everything in it and probably spending, you know, a fun 15, 20 hours with that alone. Which but being were able to, to like doing it episodically, yeah. they really wanted you to, to beat the hell out of these these individual missions. And the second you drop that as like one whole game, it's it's pretty overwhelming. Yeah, because that's I also think the episodic thing completely uh, scared a lot. Not didn't scare a lot of people off. I just don't think it enticed enough people to jump in. Um, one of my one of my really good friends has always been totally ride or die for the series. And the, I would say the bulk of what I've played of it prior to jumping in with three was at his house. And he was always sort of like, no, to take it for a spin. And I'm like, I don't know how to play it. And I, you know, I wouldn't have a fun time. Um, he's, he's like in heaven right now because everyone is suddenly on the same page. And he's like, dude, I've been trying to sell people on Hitman for four years now. Like <laughs> everyone looked at me like I was trying to sell them like ICP CDs. Like I'm not, <laughs> like, they, they would be like, all right, whatever, man. And he's like, they finally get it. And people finally understand <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, it, it feels like that moment's happening a lot. I, I When I tweeted about it, I'm like, oh, I'm the thousandth person who's saying this. But yeah, it, Hitman has its hooks in me. Brian, I know you, you had talked about playing a little bit last week, but how has your continued Hitman adventures been for you? Yeah, totally. I'm still playing it. I'm still loving it. Um, yeah, I believe this is the this is their fastest selling uh, title in the history of the franchise. So it's connecting with people, which is really, really awesome. Um, really cool swan song to the to the series. Yeah, I, I, besides everything we, we talked about, I just want to reiterate just how how fun and funny this game is. Um, this game has me like cackling, laughing constantly. And I know there are people that play it, for, you know, like expert marksman professionals. And then they're but I, I loved I love to get loosey goosey and stupid and screw up and then run away and hide. It's it's one of my favorite feelings in video games. Uh, and I, I think this this game, like we've said before, such such a 
a just awesome jumping on point. Um, same as the rest of you. I, you know, I, I haven't really played a ton of this franchise in the past and um, I'm immediately going to, you know, start playing the other ones. Cause I can't wait. Uh, this is probably already up there with, you know, one of my favorite games I played in it. Like if this, this had come out last year, it, if it would have been in my top five for the year so far, you know, not so far. It's January. <laughs> you All the, through the whole year. But no, yeah, I yeah. totally get what you mean. It, um, yeah, it's it really struck me in a way that I didn't expect. And I think January was probably a really great time for it because this, this is typically a moment that Capcom has capitalized on with Monster Hunter and Resident Evil in past years, uh, seven in particular, and then World. But this is, you know, a, a point where we've kind of even if we have still stuff left from last year, we're sort of looking ahead at what's to come in the next year and to have a really big fun game like this, especially one that is so like you've said, you can play it really expertly and be the, the slyest spy or an incredible marksman, or you can be a goofy guy who runs around and accidentally just keeps killing people with pratfalls and things and still make it through a level. And it, it affords both of those and doesn't penalize you for doing it that way. And it, it is a really, really fun, just, sandbox to be I, I, I just need i just want to add i've i haven't really started it properly i've played like the first two training missions um uh, but it has made me realize that i would be a terrible hitman in real life because as i've gotten older when i get surprised i make this like terrible kind of like old lady like whoop noise <laughs> and like whenever i screw up i'm like whoop like I, 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 like I make that noise sitting on my couch so I, that's been really confronting actually no i so i know Sorry, I, I want a stealth game where when someone gets caught, instead of like the guard having the exclamation point, the person being caught just goes like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a thing where I realized it because my, my girlfriend pointed it out to me. Basically, anytime I kill someone in that game with like the subdue, the, the, the quiet kill, I do the thing and I start just going, shh quiet quiet like I'm, I'm resting them to sleep which now i just want like a voice mod where agent 47 is just like go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep. like i just one of those crappy hitmen i just it, it's so fun and funny and like but it fits in both of those worlds it, it like it can be so wacky and also you can be incredible at it and and it's so fun to see that expert stuff whether it is eight second speed runs or just some of the stuff people are pulling off it's 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 a really great thing and and brian like you said um uh brian and max i think you both touched on it i'm like going back to the older games uh i'm I'm in that same boat of like yeah i think i'm just gonna get the hitman 2 and hitman 1 you know passes to be able to bring it in because i'm i'm not gonna want to stop after i think i get through all these levels Mm -hmm. um lucy i want to jump to you before we jump back to some other games uh but uh since you haven't been jumping into hitman as much what else have you been playing recently oh yeah i just want to touch on this very briefly um and this is terrible because i didn't have the date brought up and i'm just gonna do that now um i've been playing dreams uh because i am a judge for one of the categories which is really exciting um of the mp mp awards um and i wish i could find the date but whenever i type that into google it comes up with a whole bunch of unrelated stuff uh but (laughs) i'm i'm judging myself joe scribbles and simon cardi from the uk team we're judging the creator of the year category um and that's been amazing because it just mean we it just means we've been dream surfing through a bunch of like really interesting stuff. Now that dreams is you know a couple of years old, uh, people have really kind of got the got the hang of it and and, and sort of carved their own niche out of that um, that sort of game space. And like it's it's such an exciting 
thing. Like, I know we don't talk about dreams much because it is, it really, it, you know, now that once you play the campaign, it is a toolkit, right? We're not like, I don't think any of us are really that way inclined. Um, but the stuff that I've seen so far is, is, is just incredible. And it, you know, it, it's not just what you can do within that toolkit as in, you know, how far you can push that, that engine. Um, it's also just really creative minds um, having fun in there. Like this, you know, there, there, there are sort of games I've been playing that remind me of something that Davey Redden would make, you know, there, there are games that like feel sort of Stanley Parable-esque, like just some really creative, out of the box, weird stuff happening in that space. Um, and I'm really honored to have been asked to be a part of it because uh, it's been a second since I, I played around in there and um, God, they've got a creative community. Yeah. So, yeah. Also incredibly collaborative community, which I think is awesome because I, I feel like so much is competitive out there when it comes to, well, pretty much everything. Right. Um, but this is a community that is consistently working together and sharing, you know, hacks and tricks and ideas and things that they figured out and textures and items and stuff like that. It's also like, I, I really want, I really want this game to go to PlayStation Plus because I really feel like this is, you know, it it's, it's now it's sort of embedded in the hearts of the people who've been playing it for a long time. They've become masters at their craft. And I think it's now time to sort of like introduce a whole new wave of people to it. Um, I don't know how well it's selling, but I, you know, it doesn't seem like it's burning up the charts. It would be really cool to see this game on PS plus one month and then just have millions of new people uh, hop in for the first time and try it out. And especially at this point, it's a thing where, uh, you know, as you were saying, there there is so much to dive into and, and so many wonderful creations and so much of a collaborative, uh, wonderful community around it that, yeah, it, it it would be a really great move, I think, to have that there, uh, especially as we await, you know, like a, a particular PS5 version, which I imagine will come down. Uh, the pipe at some point but just for reference because lucy i know you were searching for it uh the mb awards are on february 14th and they're announcing nominees on january 28th awesome uh, so there you go can... thank you Donna. no worries well i i figured i'd let you talk while i do the typing um so yeah definitely check out that and it, it is always as good a reminder as any i think that if you happen to own dreams or think about picking it up and haven't jumped in in a while it is always a, a fun, worthwhile experience to jump in there and, and see what the communities have come up with because it's there's a lot of fun, special stuff there for sure. Um, before we move on sort of from what we've been playing, though, I do want to mention, uh, Brian, I know you've been playing. I don't know if anyone else has. I, I dipped in a little bit, but uh, Cyber Shadow. Yep. Which is uh, uh, published by Yacht Club Games, correct? It's that's right. Shovel Knight devs, yeah. Uh, so you've yeah. been playing this one a bit. Yeah, I, uh, I first scoped this one out at, I believe, PAX East 2019 maybe i got to play it um and uh Jakob was basically saying at the time that they were publishing in this game but also kind of like stepping in a little bit and coaching a tiny bit you know just sort of helping in with just mild suggestions so a little more than just being like oh here's your game we're gonna we'll you know we'll throw some money behind it they're also kind of saying like well here's you know here's some input which i thought was super cool um cyber shadow is a straight up you know I hate to say like love letter, but this is, this is a, this is a ode to Ninja Gaiden straight up. Like this is a Ninja Gaiden 2021 game. Um, it runs like a, like a dream. It is pixel art. It's gorgeous. Um, I would say that visually it's more akin to something like the Sunsoft Batman games. 
um, which were super, super cool. Uh, you know, big, tall sprites and stuff like that. But what I really like about this game um, is that it's got a, it's got a, like a really a, like a ton of really great quality of life features to it. Um, the you have infinite lives. The checkpoints are you know fairly liberal. They get tougher and tougher as the game goes on. Um, you can unlock permanent upgrades uh, that will let you backtrack through earlier levels if you want to and expand your health bar or your power up bar and stuff like that. Uh, there are, at checkpoints there are these little sort of stalls where you can throw some of the currency that you found fighting enemies into uh, sort of th- little uh, things that will add a a slight feature to your character uh like a longer blade or you know your health will slightly regenerate or something like that and these are usually placed in uh, in in a spot where you'll find yourself using them and so i think that's really clever because like if you're a pro and you don't want to mess with that just skip right over them you don't even need them but like if you want to go in and like kind of kit out your character a little bit before a heavy boss fight Go for it. And if you don't have enough points, when you die enough on that boss fight, there's always like a couple of like little power up blocks you can hit. So you end up slowly grinding for points in between runs. And then you get those things unlocked and you can go in and keep fighting. Uh, It's really fast paced and slashy. And I love uh, I I would say if you played the messenger and you liked it, you'll you'll dig this. It has less sort of verticality in terms of that kind of ducktail Scrooge McDuck you know, pogo hop thing, but, um, it's a, it's a lot more hack and slashy. It does get, you do get, you know, wall climbs and all that fun stuff. But I also want to shout out the music is some of the best chip tunes we've heard in years. And I feel like between that and Scott Pilgrim coming back a couple weeks ago, like it's been a really good few weeks for that, for that genre. So yeah, uh, please check this out. Um, over on, uh, the Xbox podcast, they will tell you that it's available on game pass. I will tell you that as well. You also free to buy it on your PlayStation or your Nintendo it, Switch, but it costs money. It's not free to buy. Yeah. Just, but yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I've dipped into the first couple levels and I'm really digging it, uh, as well. So definitely recommend it. And especially as Brian said, if you happen to have that other console with game pass, definitely, definitely check it what out. Is, but yeah. What is free to buy? What would that be? That's free to buy. Is that just free? You are you are you are free to buy it, and you are per, it is permissible to purchase. You guys those uh, those free to buy stores? They let you walk in. You could pay for things in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those help, new Amazon. Help stores. yourself. Help yourself to any of the things that you can purchase. <laughs> uh, just a kind and generous place in capitalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I did uh, as we uh, get toward wrapping up the show. I did want to. Uh, take a couple questions which uh people reached out to me on twitter with uh so i have a few questions from the audience including uh one i'll start with bobby asked what's in max's pocket max do you have anything in your pocket these days since we're all green <gasps> how did he get in there i don't use pockets anymore i don't leave the house i just have dolls strewn every which way my wife is furious but i'm having a blast as long as one of you is happy uh in all seriousness seriousness though bobby asked what are your thoughts on xbox ramping up first party studios and games into something actually worthwhile will sony have to change anything in their business model is quality over quantity going to be enough and obviously we've talked about it uh, on the show plenty especially when these uh buyouts were happening on the microsoft side but i wanted to particularly just discuss your thoughts of on the quality over quantity because you know microsoft still doesn't have a lot announced for the next few months, let's say, but because of just the wealth of studios they now have at their disposal, they they can possibly have quite a bit when it comes to a quantity of exclusives. Obviously, you know, quality TBD, but there's certainly a lot of talented devs on that side now. Um, 
do you think PlayStation needs to respond accordingly right now? We, we, we have a lot of games, it seems, coming down the pipe for the next year or two, but beyond that, it's a bit of a mystery. Um, do, you, do you think Sony needs to acquire more? Do you think they need to step up on a quantity level, or do you think it, it can be as it's been the last few years and be okay? Uh. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I think I, I think Microsoft has been very transparent about how many people they have working on things and what's going on, whereas mm-hmm. Sony has been playing things considerably closer to the chest. And this has been the case since, I don't know, what, E3 2018, when basically they kind of revealed everything. I mean, even even in terms of the sort of the, the PS5 reveal, uh, as far as first party exclusive stuff goes, it was it was kind of stuff you'd expect, you know, like it wasn't, it, I don't know. It wasn't, it, it didn't seem like there were any of those like really, uh, they weren't, they weren't teasing. I mean, with a few exceptions, like whatever the, the Capcom thing is or that other Square Enix thing or whatever, it, it wasn't teasing nebulous projects that are four years off. And it seems that's sort of what Microsoft is doing by, you know, really publicly scooping these companies up and really, uh, you know, I, I mean, we've got that, there's also the big question mark of how many of these projects were already in the works and how many of them are going to be cross-platform or how many of them will be cross-platform regardless. But, uh, you know, we all, we, we already sort of know what, you know, what Bethesda is working on for a, for a good chunk of, of the immediate future. So there's not really surprises on that side, but I think they do have this sort of, um, mind share where, you know, if you, if you mention, you know, Obsidian or Bethesda or, uh, Double Fine or they bought Ninja Theory, right? yes i believe it's okay, i want yes, to make so, sure we have the correct yeah ninja <laughs> um, i mean it's hard to keep track of all the studios they've bought but there's this kind of thing where i think a lot of people or at least i do where if you hear one of those studios get mentioned the kind of immediate follow-up thought is like well that's on xbox definitely on xbox don't know what else is on. it's on it could be on everything but it's kind of uh they've, they've kind of staked their claim in a weird way even though we don't necessarily know what games are in the works and i guess i don't know it'd be nice to see sony being a little bit more you know, a little bit more transparent about the sort of turnaround time for games. Like, I don't I don't feel like we're running out of stuff to play on PS5, but it'd be kind of cool if they were like, expect three AAA games a year, like or two or so, whatever, whatever it is, you know? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I would like to see uh, Sony make more sort of like acquisitions in Japan. I think that, uh, you know, Xbox has kind of got the market cornered now on Western RPGs, but there's still that whole space that they are still struggling and Microsoft has always tr- typically str- uh, struggled in Japan. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're making roads and trying and that's great, but Sony still has the, you know, the, the popular vote there. Um, and I think that there's a real opportunity for, you know, studio acquisitions there specifically. No. Yeah. I think what we're going to see is a continued move of Sony, not acquiring studios, but partnering with studios with stuff like final fantasy 16, or uh, Deathloop and Ghostwire, obviously, before the Bethesda merger. But I think we're going to see them make those moves more than, you know, double the size of the PlayStation Studios portfolio of devs. I, I just don't see that that being the moves they would be making. Maybe I, I could see them picking up one or two devs here or there throughout the generation. But I, I feel like they are very confident with the teams they have internally and will continue to work externally with the teams that they want to and pick and choose rather than taking on that business. Uh, in-house uh anyway moving on from that uh sorry brian were you gonna no i I could go for like five minutes so i I won't fair enough uh it's 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 a good thing they everyone should make more video games 
I agree. Uh, moving on from that, Gage asked, what game got you through 2020? Um, this can mean whatever you want it to. I'll say for me, there were, there were definitely a lot of games uh, in pockets of the year that I think I like totally absorbed me for like a month or whatnot. But uh, a thing that I kept going back to once it came out very much was Hades. And for the last you know three or four months of the year, Hades was I did a nightly Hades run. Like before going to bed, I had to do one run through hell. And um, it, it became a thing that was this comfort of going back to day by day. Uh, the early, early part of the year, I, I probably turned back toward Tetris Effect again because there's just something so calming and soothing about that. And when the world was first becoming on fire in this way, it was nice to have a chill, chill zone of music to go to where d- d- dolphins made of light jumped at you through the water and it was kind and peaceful. But yeah, H- Hades, in terms of games from 2020, really got me through last year. Uh, any that come to mind for you guys, Brian? Yeah, I mean, last year I platinum Bloodborne, but then the pandemic hit. So it was kind of like, well, I should have saved <laughs> that. Um, Animal Crossing, obviously, for the first few months was was really wonderful and connecting me with people. But ultimately, I like, you know, people are great. I miss places. And uh, <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima launched at the exact time when I really feel like I needed to be somewhere other than my tiny apartment at the time. and having this massive island to explore uh, that was just like peaceful and tranquil. And it didn't have like, there was no phones in it. There was no like tech, like, you know, like yeah, there was wind and foxes. I was like, <laughs> this is good. I was like, I feel like I'm hiking for a month. This is great. And I hundred percent of the game, I platinumed it. Like it was, that was such a wonderful world to get lost in. Yeah. It was repetitive at times. And you know, some of the mechanics were kind of wonky. And if you went on a roof, everyone forgot where you, who you were, uh, especially when there were 15 people hunting you, but I love that game. Like that was such a special game and such a, it hit at the perfect time. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I agree. Like I feel that, um, games that really took you away from reality. I mean, I know that all games do that, but, uh, I suppose put you in a, a secondary place um, in a way that felt really authentic. So for me, uh, you know, cyberpunk and, and, and Valhalla kind of filled that void. Um, I know it was at the, the, they, they both released sort of at the very end of the year, but um, that was when I had a whole bunch of time off and my girlfriend was overseas and I was just alone. So, you know, those, those two games specifically were very important to kind of keep my, keep my keep my mind busy uh and also kind of take me away from the hellish reality that was my life at that time uh if i had to pick one i'd say dark souls 3 uh, i've talked about that before but i think i love uh and i think a lot of people like the the crushing difficulty of from souls from soft games from souls whatever um <laughs> those hard games that they make over in japan that, those ones uh I think people like it because it's, you know, it really, it, it's, it pushes back. Like it gives you something to, to chew on, but it, it also, it, I mean, there's some, sometimes I kind of want to get my ass kicked. Like sometimes I'm just, it, it's just enough of kind of like a, just an electric shock that it manages to take me out of whatever bad mood I'm in. Like it's enough of, it's, it's frustrating enough that whatever emotions I'm feeling at that time get kind of sidelined. And I'm like, I hate this giant skeleton that keeps killing me or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, Dark Souls 3, I still haven't even finished it. Like I was I've been chipping away at it. That's a very large game. Um, but yeah, like that was a, that was where I went to uh, explore, among other places. Um, weirdly, and I don't. I don't know. Resident, Resident Evil 3, I don't think was perfect by any means. I think it was it kind of paled in comparison to two. It still was a gorgeous presentation. And I it had a really interesting uh, 
I mean, it was it was a few weekends that I spent playing it, but it went from, you know, that opening bit where it's just live action footage of like, oh, the viral pandemic has over. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want this one bit. And then you fast forward seven hours and you're like shooting with a railgun. And I'm like, hell yeah. It's, uh, you know, I don't it, it managed to be that sort of. Um, you know, just big, you know, dumb James Cameron aliens experience I wanted. And it made me, I don't know, excited to hopefully play a Resident Evil 4 version of that. Yeah. As uh, as Lucy was saying, all all games essentially are supposed to be able to transport you away. But it, when it really can make you feel like you're in that in that world and just ha- it, it vibes with you like that, it is such a great experience. And there was definitely a lot to love that I think did that last year. Um, but uh, moving on, just because we're quickly running out of time. Last but not least, I wanted to read a question that came in from uh, our producer Red, actually. Uh, and I think can the we only stop recording, I have shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the question came in. I think I can only read this, and I apologize. Uh, in uh, a Putnam Whipple voice, honestly, and it honestly is: <laughs> If Kratos, then wear cray feet. Does anyone have an answer? If Kratos, then wear. If if, if Kratos, then wear oh, cray feet. Oh, I mean, you really needed to put the emphasis on the toes part. No, I swallowed no it by sense. accident, and no that was sense. kind of yeah, I know. But what what makes sense these days, really? Red, a great question. Um, really I feel good. very But anyway, thank you so much, Red, for writing in. Thank you to everyone else. Sorry, we uh, cannot uh, read the rest of the questions, but I'll definitely save some for next week. Uh, quickly, before we wrap up, just going to read a very quick memory card story, uh, which came in from uh, Jericho, uh, who wrote in to beyond at IGN.com and wrote, uh, I grew up in Japan as a military dependent, and my dad would often go on temporary duty travel. One time my dad said he was going to take my PlayStation with him, and despite me not wanting him to, he insisted. I figured he was going to use it to keep him occupied, but nope. He took it with him to South Korea, got it modded, and came back with a whole bunch of random bootleg games, like a Bomberman racing what? game on, a Bomberman racing game on bunnies, the Die Hard trilogy, and the most random one of the bunch, Pepsi Man. So whenever there's a conversation about OG games like Final Fantasy VII, Tekken 3, and Ape Escape, I contribute my random experience with Pepsi Man. It was a fun and bonkers game with a soundtrack that low-key slaps. Perfect running music. Thank you, Lucy, Brian, Max, and Jonathan for giving me something to look forward to each week beyond. And same thank you to Brian and Max for the comedy button as well. Your dad is awesome. That <laughs> That's rules. an amazing story. Pepsi Man, that wasn't bootleg. That was like an official Pepsi game, wasn't it? In Japan only? Oh, it might have been. I guess that was it just like got it on there modded. If it yeah, was, I, I don't know if yeah. that, that might not have been bootleg. <laughs> I don't even know if that was a free game. That should have been a free game. But then again, we had stuff like Cool Spot and like well, Chester. We had cool, you know, yeah, yeah. Cool Spot. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, I want more of those. I want more games that are about just straight up garbage, like fast food and products and things. Like cool, that. Spot, okay. yeah. cool Spot was good. Cool Spot was good. I stand by that. They, they I mean, just I, you know, right. I stand by my memory of it being good. <laughs> You will die on the hill. uh, Sneaking is like the fourth or fifth best Metal Gear game, depending on what you count. (laughs) Uh, Then, of course, they just brought back a Chex Quest recently. There's there's definitely nostalgia for those types uh, of licensed games. Uh, But yeah, uh, until we get another thank you, Jericho, for writing in with that story. And if you want to write in with a memory card, please write into beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. And I do want to specifically ask one uh, viewer or listener in particular who wrote in. I cannot find your email. I think I accidentally deleted it. 
it was a follow-up to last week's story, so it was specifically because you were reminded because this person lived in Bakersfield. Uh, you wrote in with a very funny family-related story. If you can please write in, if you want that story still read on the show, please, please write in uh, or resend it to me at beyond.ign.com because I would love to read it on the show. It's phenomenal, but I cannot for the life of me find it for some reason. And if you don't want it read, never mind. This conversation never happened. Thank you all for listening anyway. Uh, but that is going to pretty much wrap us up for this episode of Podcast Beyond. Uh, thank you so much, Brian, Max, and Lucy for joining me this week on the show. And thank you, as always, to Red, our producer, for all of his help making the show happen and his wonderful questions. Uh, when we're not doing the show, of course, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at JM Dornbush. Brian is at Agent Bizzle. Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. And Max is at Max Scoville. Uh, Beyond is normally live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. And as always, Beyond. 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 In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real. It's intimate. And it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.